Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Zealand Teaching Podcast. We are a local church in Zealand, Michigan, and we desire to know Christ and to make Him known. We invite you into the same journey with us now as we open the scriptures and as we ask God to teach us and reveal Himself to us in His Word. Thanks for stopping by. I tell you what a thrill it is for me to be able to speak this morning, but I say it every time so you just don't believe me anymore. Um, let me explain to you. Um, you probably wonder why some of the elders and the other pastors are, are speaking on Sunday mornings. Um, we are so thrilled as a church to have Pastor Jeremy as our new senior pastor. Um, but he's still involved in the worship ministry. And so as he transitions out of worship ministry and into our senior pastor, uh, we as elders and other pastors are still trying to help him with the preaching load. Uh, we can't expect him to preach every Sunday and still be involved like he is here. And so um, I get to speak this morning. So I, I am thrilled. Um, so I come to you in the morning and I try to look really official, like, you know, your chairman of the elders and try to present myself well, if you only knew what went on behind the scenes. So, remember a couple of weeks ago when I spoke and I told you about my phone and I don't know how little is in that phone? I don't even get this mic because this morning I put my headset on and I had it on backwards, so the speaker part was way up here. And it took forever to get me dialed in because I kept echoing and it was terrible. And then Jeremy looked at me and he goes, I know what it is. <laughs> so I don't even get that part. And it's like yesterday we were at Sam's Club and some lady is selling um, um, the ring security system and the lock and all the stuff and you can do it on your phone. And she kind of flagged me over and asked who I was and I talked to her. And then she showed me what she had. I looked at her and I said, lady, you got the wrong guy. <laughs> this isn't going to work. So um, anyhow, we're going to look into God's word this morning. And see what he has to say. Um, I will tell you this. When I get to speak, I know I can study any time. It is such a thrill to study God's word. And the really hard part I have, and I said to Gwen, i got to get over this. I study till the last minute. I keep adding more and more, and I know I don't have time. And then I say, oh, Lord, now I'm really in trouble. But then I find another passage, and then there's more, and then there's more. It is so exciting. So this morning, um, I don't know what the difference is. Sometimes I think I have to, like, because I'm the preacher of the morning, I have to preach. Can I just share my heart this morning? Can we just look into God's Word and, and just see all that He has to say for us and how it applies to our hearts and to our lives? So if you'll stand with me this morning, uh, we're in the book of 1 John. And we have two different passages we're going to read. One will be from chapter 3 and then the next one from chapter 4. So 1 John chapter 3, and if you'll follow along with me. And this is from the New Living Translation. We know what real love is because Christ gave his life for us. And so we ought to be given up our lives for our Christian brothers and sisters. But if anyone has enough money to live well and sees his brother or sister in need and refuses to help him, how can God's love be in that person? And then the next reading from chapter 4. 
God showed how much he loved us by sending his only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Let's pray. Father, as we look into your word this morning, I ask that you would teach us. Oh, Father, would your Holy Spirit this morning give us understanding? Would your Holy Spirit enlighten us, um, not only to the truth of your word, but as to how we apply this part of your word to our lives? And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So we're going to be talking somewhat, we're going to be talking about love this morning. It's kind of the obvious part of the passage because in these few verses we read, in chapters 3 and 4, love is mentioned 20 times. So I kind of gathered maybe that was the theme of the chapter. And so we're going to look at that this morning. And, you know, first thing this morning, we have to figure out what love is. Um, my first thought of love went back to the 60s with the hippies, the peace sign on the back of a Volkswagen bus, but a lot of you don't remember that, so we'll choose, choose something different. Um, my granddaughter Zoe loves brownies from Costco. And some time ago, we, Gwen and I bought some, and then we gave Josh and Carrie and Zoe a bunch of those brownies, and Zoe had a couple. And then they all went to bed. And then Zoe really loves brownies, so she got up and ate all of the rest of them. And then she got sick in the morning. She doesn't love brownies so much anymore. I have a friend who loves Honeycrisp apples. And so a couple of weeks ago, Gwen and I went to the orchard, and we picked a few Honeycrisp and some other apples and just had a good time being out in the orchard. And I knew he really liked these, so I picked the biggest nicest Honeycrisp apple I had in the whole bag and I brought it to my friend who didn't eat it because as much as he loves Honeycrisp he loves his wife more and she really loves Honeycrisp apples and so he gave her the apple and let her enjoy it and the message I got back was, it was the best apple she ever had. And thank you so much. Well, I was so thrilled with the message. The next day I brought him two, brought him two Honeycrisp apples. And I had it all set in my mind. I did it as a presentation. I said, Dave, this one's for the guy who loves his wife so much he'd give it to her. And this apple is for the lady who loved it so much and was so grateful. I said, go enjoy these tonight. So that was kind of fun. So they loved honey crisp apples, as I'm sure a lot of you do. And then I don't know why, when I thought about love, this story came to mind, and this goes so far back, and I'll, I'll make it brief, about the guy who had this beautiful gold watch, but he didn't have a watch fob, you know, that chain that goes from the watch to his vest, and he couldn't afford one of those. And his fiance, girlfriend, I'm not sure what the story would call her, had this beautiful golden long hair. And she needed a new comb and couldn't afford it. 
And so out of love, the guy with a watch sells his watch to buy her a comb for her beautiful golden hair. And unbeknownst to her, she cut her beautiful hair off, sold it, bought a watch fob, and gave it to him because of her great love for him. I want to suggest to you this morning that love is an action word. Love is just not something we talk about. Notice the passage this morning um, from 1 John chapter 4. In verse 9 it says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his son into the world. God loved us so much that he took his most precious, prized possession, if I may use that term for Jesus, and he said to each of you, oh man, I love you. And because there's a difference between us, you know, uh, let, me, let me back up a little bit. Um, let, let me just shift thoughts here a little bit. God loves us so much that he gives the most important thing he has. You know, we are so far away from God in the beginning without Christ. Remember when we started the book of John and Pastor Jeremy in chapter 1, verse 5, shared that God is light? And that's everything that's holy, everything that's pure, everything that is righteous, everything that God is in light we were in darkness and we were not. We were completely, completely the opposite of God. And yet God loved me. So think about this, guys. When you first saw your wife, well, you didn't maybe know she was going to be your wife at the time. When you first saw the woman who is your wife now, for the first time, I'm guessing you were thinking, she's hot. She's good looking. I like her smile. Man, she's friendly. Man, she has personality. Oh, she is so funny. Oh, she's so giving. I love the qualities I see in her. Oh, man, what a woman. Will you go out with me? No, no. I mean, yes, okay. Will you go out with me? And you form this relationship because you see something in her that you loved, that you appreciated so much, and you dated her until you loved her. And when God looked at us, there really wasn't that much lovely about us. In fact, the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all fell short of God's standard. And yet God looks at Mark and says, no matter how much sin you have in your life, God looks at you and says, no matter how much sin you have in your life, he says, I love you so much that I'm going to take action, and I'm going to send my son Jesus to die in your place, to pay the penalty for your sin, so that you could have eternal life. Romans 5.8. Many of you probably know this verse. But it says, but God commanded his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That word commanded is kind of hard for me. I don't know where I got it, but one time in my life I was thinking, God actually said, 
you're really ugly, Mark. You got a lot of sin. I'm going to love you no matter what it takes. That's not what commanded means. Commanded means demonstrated. And God looked at me full of sin. God looked at you full of sin. And he said, you know what? I love you so much. God didn't have to do this. I would do this. I'd go, all right, what could I do to demonstrate that love? How, how, how could I show my love? But God looked at you. God looked at me and said, I'm going to demonstrate my love, and I'm going to send my only son, Jesus. And he's going to die in your place. And he is going to take the penalty for your sin. John 3, 16, first verse you learned. And I think somebody else, one of the other pastors used this verse just a week or two ago. For God so loved the world, God so loved you, God so loved Mark, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish. God was life. And I had death because of my sin. And God says, I love you so much, I'll send Jesus that if you believe in him, you wouldn't perish, but you'd have eternal life with me. God loved me so much that he gave at great expense. This is real love. John 4.10 says, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us, even when we didn't love him. And the greatest thing you could do today is to receive God's love and accept Jesus as your sacrifice for your sin. If you've never done that, today could be the day. I'd thrill to talk with you or talk to one of the other pastors or someone who's wearing their lanyard that actually remembers to wear it each Sunday. If you would talk to them and have them share how much Jesus loves you. But God loved me so much that he sends Jesus as the greatest demonstration there ever was. And I accept Jesus as my personal Savior. And now what do I do with it? So interesting that God says through the writer John, in verse 11 of chapter 4, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. <laughs> God loved me so much, he sends Jesus, and now what he says in his word is, since I loved you, now you love them. Well, I look out at you and I think, most of you are pretty easy to love. Sometimes. Uh, okay, all right. We're not always easy to love, are we? Huh? But God's command here is that we love each other even if they're not lovable. So how do I love you? What do I do to show my love? In 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, if you look at that verse, it says, Dear children, let us stop just saying that we love each other. Let us really show it by our actions. <laughs> it's easy for me to say, I love you, Ryan. You don't know Ryan, though. <laughs> but it's easy to say it. No, it's easy to just say that. But the Bible says, don't just say it. Show me with your actions. All right, make this practical. Make this real. So I say to Gwen every day, I love you, Gwen. And I don't do a thing to help her or to display my love. And then the next day I say to her, I sure love you, Gwen. And I don't do one thing to help her 
One thing to minister to her. One thing to care for her. And then the third day I say, man, Gwen, I sure love you. And I don't do one thing for her. You know, I don't know how many days it's going to take, but after a while she's going to wonder, do you really love me? Listen, I, see that lady right over there? I love that lady. And every day I try to demonstrate my love to her. In the fact that God says, I demonstrated my love to you, now you demonstrate your love. So let me start at home, okay? Saturday mornings, I thrilled to make breakfast for Gwen. Um, if we don't go out. But I make breakfast for her. Um, I delight to help her in ways that I can. I delight to care for her. I ask her more times about getting new shoes that I know she needs then she says, well, not this week, yeah, not today. Let's do it tomorrow. And then I keep asking, Gwen, you need new shoes. I know she needs shoes. I love her and care for her, and I want her to have good shoes. Now, you think that's a small thing, but she's got a little issue with her feet that are sore, and it's a concern to me. I love Gwen. I go to work every day so that I can provide for Gwen and myself, but I love Gwen, and I provide for her. I care for Gwen. I try to be a spiritual leader for Gwen. I try to meet her emotional needs or help her through that. Sometimes I just have to listen to her to show that I love her. Love is an active word, and because I love Gwen, I approve my love, or I show my love, I demonstrate my love, and I keep saying, Gwen, what can I do for you? How can I help you? Can I do that for you? What can I do here? Now, having said that this morning, it might be hard when I get home today. <laughs> I don't know if she's taking notes or making a list. Um, God says, pour yourself into others. Keep looking at that passage there a minute, verse 17. Uh, no, back up to the verse, end of verse 16. And so we ought to give up our lives for Christian brothers and sisters. Give up our lives? Is God calling us to die? Well, maybe, but to give up our life would be to actually share my life, to pour my life into you, to share my life, to think it's not just all about Mark, about Mark. Look, I got stuff I like to do. I'd love to just spend all my time doing my stuff, my thing. Um, I could just keep myself busy. And God's word says, no, Mark, you got to be pouring your life out into people into sharing with people and caring for people in our church and my family and those around me. So I pour my life into people. And then get this part. Oh, boy. Maybe you want to not listen for a minute, but it says, but if anyone has enough money to live well and sees his brother or sister in need and refuses to help, how can God's love be in that person? Listen. God calls us not only to share my love, and to demonstrate it. He actually says here, if you've got money and you know somebody else doesn't, well, how, how could you not share? So think about it within the realm, in this room. Do you have enough for today? You probably have great plenty. Do you know anybody who doesn't have enough, who's struggling? I was even thinking later at the end of the, after the communion service, we take a benevolent offering, offering to help people who are in need. And 
if you're, I think, probably typical, you drop a couple of bucks in. And we just kind of give, yeah, it's another offering, so we throw a little in. And Scripture says, look, if you've got plenty, be giving. And maybe you don't give through that offering, and maybe you share instead. But, you know, we have people in our, in our own congregation with need. Um, it's like, well, why don't they work harder? Well, sometimes we lose our job. And we have some in our church that are experiencing that now. What if, what if through no fault of your own, the stock market crashes or your investments fall apart or for some reason beyond your control, some identity hacker gets in and takes everything you own and I have nothing now. Scripture says you help him. Share with somebody. Demonstrate your love. Take what you have and share with them. Oh boy, I'm supposed to share my myself. I'm supposed to pour my life in. You know, I talked to a couple of people about um, this passage within the last few weeks and I mentioned the money part and the sharing part. You know what both people said to me? The harder part is time. It's easier to give you $20 and say, there you go, Lord bless you. But what if you want my Saturday afternoon? Because my Saturday afternoons are pretty valuable to me. Or what if you want some evening? Oh, man. You sure 20 bucks wouldn't buy my way out? We'd rather give a little bit monetarily than to give of ourselves and our time. And we need to be giving of ourselves. We need to be giving of our time. Well, this is an interesting passage. But go to, if I could have uh, John chapter 13 up here, please, uh, verses 34 and 35. Jesus says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that, he also, and he also, that we also love one another. A new commandment I give unto you, love one another. Is that really a new commandment? I thought that was in the Old Testament, to love one another. I thought Jesus already said uh, the greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And now Jesus says, I'm giving you a new commandment to love one another. What's new? After he says, I give you a new commandment that you love one another, look at the next part. He says, as I, back up one, as I have loved you. That's the new part. You want to know how you're supposed to love each other? You're supposed to love each other like Jesus loved you. And he poured himself into you and he died for you. He gave you everything. And Jesus says, don't you dare do anything less than I did for you. You give of yourself to others just like I have given to you. And then verse 35, the next one here. And by all this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. You know what a mark of true discipleship is? People should be able to look at you and say, he, he or she really loves people. You must be a disciple of Jesus. It should be so evident in our lives. We should be so caring, so giving, so loving to those around us that people would look and the world should be able to go, something's different about that guy. And they might not know what it is, but we know what it is. He's a true disciple of Jesus.
we could go to the next slide. So I'm reading this week. And I read, was reading about love, and I don't remember exactly what the caption was, but I labeled it the standard of love for our church. And if I could just go through a few of these things. To be patient and kind. Oh, patience. So just this week, I shouldn't even talk about driving. Just this week, there's one car ahead of me. We're waiting in the turn lane. The arrow turns green, and we sat there. Oh, Gwen knows. This is Mark's pet peeve. You know when the light turns green? I was saying, why aren't we moving? Well, because that car has to move, and that car has to move, and then that car has to move. Just be patient, Mark. I'm thinking the light's green, everybody moves. So we're at the green arrow, and we're sitting there, and we're waiting and waiting and waiting. Okay, I'm not a horn honker. I, I don't like, I'd rather sit in the car and do my own commentary. <laughs> and I'll also tell you, what I decided about that is, when I get upset with another driver, there's only one thing that happens. That driver hasn't got a clue, so his life hasn't changed. The only thing that changed was me. And then I'm sitting there and I have to go, Lord, forgive me. I didn't mean to be impatient. So when I'm, anyhow, so there I sit, and this guy, and I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. I'm not patient. But what does patience really mean, um, like, biblically? Do you know in the Greek world, to be patient was a weakness? To retaliate and get revenge was the right thing? You know, we live in a world today where not being patient is really honored and you're a hero. If you're self-serving and seek your own and demand it and um, it's all about me, and the world looks and thinks, yeah, that guy's really tough. He's really something. And God calls us to be patient. Um, Aristotle even taught that to strike back at every offense was a good thing. I enjoyed this story. It's about Abraham Lincoln. It's about patience. So Abraham Lincoln is the president. And there's a man called Edwin Stanton. He didn't think very much of the president. And uh, in fact, he publicly called him a clown and a gorilla. <laughs> so I, I'm not going to go to politics, but it started way back then, okay? So he calls him a clown and a gorilla. In fact, Stanton even made the comment publicly that it would be ridiculous for anyone to ever go to Africa to see a gorilla when they have Abraham Lincoln right here. Abraham Lincoln never responded to him. He patiently endured all that this man said. And then when Abraham Lincoln needed to appoint a secretary of war, he appointed Edwin Stanton. And his friends were shocked. And they say, why would you appoint this man? And Abraham Lincoln said, because he is the best man for the job. And Abraham Lincoln was patient with him. When Abraham Lincoln was assassinated and placed in his coffin, and Edwin Stanton stood in front of that coffin with tears in his eyes, he looked at Abraham Lincoln's body and said, this is the greatest leader the world has ever known. Although Abraham Lincoln never saw Edwin Stanton change, his, his patience had effect in this man's life. Patience kind of takes it on the cheek sometimes. 
Patience endures what's dished out. Patient lovingly holds that. Jesus demonstrates patience to us. When all that they did to him, no matter how they mocked him, no matter how they got in his face, no matter how they denied him, no matter how they beat him, placed him on a, on a, on a cross and a crown of thorns on his head, Jesus was so patient, and his response was, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. We need to have patience as a church. We need to be kind. <clears throat> where patience endures, uh, where patience takes anything, kindness gives everything. Uh, kindness is defined as useful, serving, gracious, active goodwill. Not only do we need to endure sometimes somebody just plain doesn't like me or care for me or says something about me, my response is I need to be kind. And I need to just give back no matter what, uh, even though that's hard to do. Um, this kindness not only just feels generous, this kindness is generous. This kindness doesn't just desire your welfare, but it makes sure that you are well and cared for. This kindness sees a need, but it doesn't only see it, it takes action and does something. Kindness always seeks to give more. In Matthew chapter 5, there's a passage, and it says, hey, if a guy sues you and wants to take your shirt, give him your coat. And if a Roman soldier compels you to carry his gear for a mile, carry it for two. That's what kindness is. And, and we are called as a church to be kind. And then Ephesians 4.32 says, Be ye kind one to another. The next standard of love for our church is not jealous, boastful, proud, or rude. Oh, man. Not jealous. What's jealous? I want what you've got. Man, he's got a nice truck. Is anybody envious or jealous of my, well, yours, my envoy? Old envoy? <laughs> That's getting rust? Huh? Nobody's jealous of that. Everybody, we look at something and we say, oh, I wish I had what he had. And you think, well, we don't do that in church. Yeah, we do. Um, I look at Roland up here and I think, I wish I could play guitar like that. I'm kind of jealous of that. And it's not for my mom's want of trying. She had me take guitar lessons, but I was always busy down at the river and forgot to practice and didn't show up for lessons. And, but I'm jealous of that. How about jealous? Can you, can you sing a little bit and you think, oh, I wish I could sing like them. Now, I guess in my heart, I should celebrate that they could sing like that. In fact, jealous goes so far as to say, not only do I wish I had what you had, Jealous in, in its extreme says, I wish he couldn't even play like that. <laughs> wow. So sometimes jealousy takes over in our lives. Um, Paul experienced some jealousy in the book of Philippians chapter 1. Uh, he's actually in jail. And there's some young preachers going around and they're preaching. And while they're preaching, they're going, Paul's not that really that good. We're way better than Paul. I mean, have you heard the guy? He doesn't even... Have you heard his illustrations? 
I mean, they're terrible, or, or, or pick anything about it, and they're saying, this guy's awful. We're way better. I don't even know if I dare to say it. I'm thinking, how would that happen if I stood here some morning and said, aren't you glad I'm here instead of Pastor Jeremy? <laughs> Sorry, I don't even know if I dare to say it. I'm way better than he is. Oh, don't strike me dead, Lord. Um, I, I'm way better. And yet, you know what Paul's response was? You know what the right response would be? Paul's response was, well, they're preaching the gospel and they're hearing about Jesus, so go ahead and let them preach and I don't care what they say. So sometimes um, jealousy comes up um, and we have to deal with that. Jealousy. And in Scripture, you know, Eve was jealous. She wanted what God had. She wanted his wisdom. Cain was jealous. <laughs> Abel's offering was acceptable. His wasn't. Joseph's brothers were jealous. Dad liked Joseph better. Oh, we need to be careful about jealousy. Uh, it brings us down a terrible road. Another thing is boastful. Where jealousy is, I want what you have. Boastful really is, look what I have. And jealousy puts others down, but boastful builds itself up. Do you have to talk about yourself and tell others how good you are? I think a good example of this is work. Sometimes somebody will come over and they'll say, man, you see what this guy did? Did you, did you see this cabinet he built? Did you see how this was finished? Did you see how this happened here? When we put somebody else down, we're only trying to elevate ourselves. And as a church, we can never be boastful. All of our excitement, all of our thrill, anything we have to boast in is about Jesus and what he did for us. There's nothing about Mark you need to, I need to boast about. I need to boast in Jesus. If I was going to stand here and boast, I should be telling you Jesus saved me. Jesus paid the penalty for my sin. Do you know because of God's great love, I have joy and peace? Do you know if because of God's great love, I have eternal life? And I could go on and on. Do you know, my boast isn't in me, but my boast is in the Lord. I read a good illustration of William Carey, who was a missionary. He was not boastful. Um, actually, he became a great missionary. But before that, he was a shoe cobbler. He made shoes. And one evening at a dinner where there were some higher class people, Someone looked over at him and said, so, I understand you were a uh, shoe cobbler. And William Carey said, no, I just fix shoes. Because he wasn't going to boast in anything of himself. Our boast is in the Lord. Oh, not proud. You know how easy it is to be proud Hey, look at me. Boy, did I do that good. Oh, man, don't you wish you were as good as me? Don't you wish you could drive as good as me? I went through a red light the other day. Quincy, you know, I went through a red light. I'm like, what? I'm pretty proud. I'm a good driver. Suddenly, I wasn't. Huh? Pride is such a terrible thing. And then rude. Oh, my to, just to be rude. Let's, let's continue on here, man. We need to keep going. 
does not demand its own way. How many of you want us to do stuff here in church your way? Oh, come on, you do too. We all want it to be our way. Sometimes we're a little more insistent, you know? Just ask me, I must have a better plan for Sunday school, or I must have a better plan for the youth group, or I must have a better plan for um, our, our communion this morning. I don't know why we don't use a loaf of bread instead of pieces of unleavened bread, or I don't know why we don't do something here. And sometimes in church, we demand our own way. And Scripture calls us to love like Jesus, who didn't demand his own way. In fact, Jesus didn't come to serve to be served, Jesus came to serve and never demanded his own way. Another thing, you know, we shouldn't be irritable. Um, kind of two meanings for the word irritable. One is burst of anger. And I don't think we probably do that here a whole lot. The other one is just plain cranky. Just never happy with anything. Just nothing's quite right. The sermon wasn't right. Well, be glad next week I'll have a different pastor. Um, the sermon wasn't right. The Sunday school wasn't right. This wasn't right. And some people complain about everything. And they're just always grumbling, grumbling, grumbling. Man, if you got Jesus, you should have joy. Part of the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness. Man, where is there room for cranky? Keeps no record of wrong. Wow. We could spend a little time there. Can we forgive and move on in our church? Can we forgive and move on at home? Um, I know a couple who almost all of their married life were miserable. And every time I talked to her, it was because of something that happened 20 and 30 years ago. And they never got past keeping no record of wrong. And it ruined their life. Church, we can't keep records of wrong. We need to forgive and move on. The next one. And we'll just go through these very quickly here. Never glad about injustice. And... Um, Someone falsely accused. Rumors just start all the time. How come there's always rumors? It just, it just flies. But it rejoices when truth wins. Are you actually happy when you heard a rumor about somebody and then you come to find out that wasn't true? It's like, I'm so happy. I just couldn't believe that. I, I knew that wasn't true. I knew that wasn't right. And as a church, we ought to be there. Uh, go, to the, go to the next one here. Never gives up, never loses faith, and is always hopeful. We should have that. Never gives up. <clears throat> Do we help those who are in sin? Do we help those who are struggling? If I love you, I should never, ever give up on you. I should pursue you all the time to be right with the Lord. Never loses faith. Listen. Love never exalts sin, but it always loves the sinner. And it keeps pursuing him and pursuing him and pursuing him. And it's always hopeful, even when it doesn't seem like this guy's ever going to change. Love says, you know what? I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to be faithful. 
I'm going to continue on. I'm going to pursue you. Love endures. And that word endures would be equal to like an army trying to hold their ground, trying to hold their position, and they're fighting and struggling and at all cost will hold that ground. We need to hold our ground in church biblically and endure in, in all things. And then last of all, love just simply lasts forever. It just hangs on and hangs on and hangs on forever. And then one more slide here, please. If you wondered, the standard of love for our church, we just went through 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. This is what love is in our church. This is what love is in our family. This is what love is to those around us. We're just... Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. And this is the kind of love we need to have. It's active. It's busy. It's, it's caring. It's sharing. It's helping. It, it's preserving. It's trusting. It's, it's always looking for the better. Let me read again 1 John 4. Verses 9 through 11. God showed how much he loved us by sending his only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. It's not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a sacrifice for our sins. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Have you experienced the love of God in the person of Jesus Christ? If not, you can do that today. And then back to John 13, 34. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. And verse 35 says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. We ought to be so different in the way that we love that the world ought to look at us and go, wow, what's different? Um, those who are serving communion, those who are on the praise team could come up here. I should have had them come up sooner. I, church, I just want to tell you, as, as I read this this week, I just thought, I want us to be that kind of a church. I want us to be a church that cares for each other, that loves each other, that ministers to each other, that pursues each other, that endures each other. If we would be that kind of a church, and I know I read the verse again, the world would see it and see something different. If we would be the church the Bible calls us to be, our community would look at this church and say, what's different about those people? There, there would just be something, they wouldn't be able to grasp it. It would be so different. I want our church to be a church that loves like Jesus loves.
If you've been reading through 1 John, you've read these words a few times. You've already heard them a few times this morning. Dear friends, let us love one another. Because love comes from God. Anyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so now my friends, as you go, may, may the grace of God and the peace of God guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. May the Holy Spirit teach you through the word of God what it means to love your neighbor as yourself because in doing so, you love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Amen? Amen. You're dismissed. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. We hope that what you heard inspires you to take the next step in your faith. If you have questions about this message or would like more information about our church, we invite you to check us out at fbczealand.org or call us at 616-772-4377.